Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. Uh, man, I, I'm excited to preach uh, this morning. I hope you came ready. We're going to be in the book of Habakkuk. We're going to talk about, about vision. At the beginning of the year, I think it's important to set the tone for where God's taking us. And if you have a copy of God's Word, we'll be in Habakkuk. But the key to today is like a relay runner and track. We reach back to the faithfulness of God when the baton comes our way, but we don't look back. When you see a relay runner, they look forward and they start running and they reach back. And so if you're going through a hard time, don't look back. Just reach back to the promises of God found in his word. Just reach back to the faithfulness, that how faithful he's been to your family. But don't look back, because if you look back, you'll, you'll get out of your lane. If you look back, you'll live your life regretting and having guilt and having shame. Instead of, we look ahead and we reach back. Today is all about reaching back, but not looking back. And I don't know about your life, but I'm grateful at the beginning of the year, we can reach back to last year and say, thank you, God, we made it. It might not have been perfect, but his presence was there the whole time. It might not have been everything we, we wanted it to be, but obviously it was everything that God had for us in that year. So I reach back, but I don't look back. And if you've been in church for any number of minutes, you've probably heard this little verse out of Habakkuk. It's in the Old Testament. I was in church nine months before I was born. And so I've been in church a long time. I've heard this, this verse my whole life. And uh, I mean, I was in church a lot. I thought that the, the baptismal tank was our jacuzzi. So dad would say it's baptism Sunday and I would bring my bathing suit. And after church, I'd just jump in cannonball, you know, uh, I thought that the, the leftover communion bread, I thought that that was like an appetizer because my parents would talk for three hours in the lobby about going to Chili's. And I'm like, I can't wait for Chili's. I need the bread of Jesus. I need the, the body of Jesus right now. And thank God it was juice because I was washing it down with his blood. If we would have been of a different faith, who knows? A five-year-old might have been a little tipsy at Chili's pre-gaming, you know. We got to have vision for the future. Amen. Aren't you glad we don't serve a God that is just stuck in the past, but he's got great plans for your life. He's got a great hope for your life. He's got a great future for your life. You probably have a coffee cup or a bookmark or some sort of plaque in your house that has Jeremiah 29, 11 on it. He's got great plans for you. His will for you is good. It's pleasing and it's perfect. And so as a church, we subscribe to the same thought that God's best days for this house are not behind us. We're not going back to the Brownsville days. We're not going back to the days where the music was traditional. We're not going back to the days where there were pews. Come on, somebody. We're not going back to the days where there were Sunday night services and that's where the preacher took off his coat and it got real Holy Ghost. We're looking ahead. God, what's the future you have for us? Because I've seen too many churches get stuck looking backwards instead of just reaching backwards. See, I got antiquated and ancient theology that I subscribe to, but I got a fresh vision for our methodology that is a new way to see Jesus and a new way to reach people. My theology is traditional, <laughs> but my approach is contemporary. Oh, I came to preach to somebody today. The tenets of our faith don't move. <laughs> But the approach as to how we reach the lost world around us has to. 
because the same things that worked in my upbringing no longer work and it's accelerated at a rate because of the internet and because of the cultural norms that have changed. We got to change the things we can change, but keep the same, the things that need to stay the same. Am I preaching to anybody today? All right. So this is what Habakkuk says. This is, this is a great, a great, if I were to pick a verse as to why we named the church Focus Church, it wasn't this verse, but I thought about it this week. I thought, well, if somebody asked me, what verse did you name the church Focus Church after? I would just say Habakkuk 2.2 is a good place to start. Look at this. It says, then the Lord answered to me and he said, write the vision and make it plain. Turn to your neighbor and say, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. He may run reaching back, but looking forward. I'm reaching back to God's faithfulness, but I'm looking forward to God's future over my life. As, as, a, as a Christian, there will be seasons where you got to reach back and you got to look forward, but you got to make it plain. I don't know if you're married or not, but sometimes I just say, send me a picture of what you want from the store. Because there are some, there's some things like the laundry detergent isn't always the same. There's organic, non-GMO, there's uh, diet, there's zero, there's zero sugar, there, there's, there's, there's more sugar, there's added sugar. Just send me a screenshot. That's why I, I tell my wife all the time, don't send me to the store without a screenshot. And my prayer for us today is that you would know that you're a part of a church that has a vision and God has made it plain. It's not complicated what we do around here. It's, it's very, very, very simple. And it, it's, it hinges on four words. And that is to see people experience life change through Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, life change through Christ. At all of our locations, say, life change through Christ. I'm trying to make it very, very simple. It's on every t-shirt of everyone who has ever been water baptized at our church. L-C-T-C. Say it with me. L-C-T-C. Life change through Christ. It's not complicated. The reason I love life change through Christ is because if you've been following God your whole life, you still got some things that need to change. And if you're here for the first time, you still got some things that need to change. And no one is immune to the change that comes through Jesus Christ. I've been following God since I was eight years old. Coming up on, in two years, it'll be 30 years of following God. Yet I still, every day when I wake up, I ask him to change me. I ask him to transform me. I ask him to renew my mind and to make me into the, the father and the husband and the believer that he has called me and the pastor that he's called me to be. So if you're here today, you're a part of our vision. We want to see you experience life change through Christ. And while I'm preaching, I expect for me to experience life change through Christ. So we didn't come to sing songs or to hear from a comedian. We didn't come to get motivated. We didn't come to, to, to have inspiration. We came to have transformation through the power of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen in this cold church this morning? And we have that through five ways. We have a five-fold mission here at the church. I'm gonna go quick. This is just a refresher for some, but for some of you, because we've grown so much, this will be the first time you've heard it. These are the five things that we do at the church. We don't do anything more than these five things. That's why we say no to a lot of opportunities because we've decided that these would be the five things that we do so that people can experience life change through Christ. The first one is we wanna see people encounter God through worship experience. What you are in right now 
is a worship experience. It's not just a service. It's not just a, a protocol or a box that we check. We want to encounter the living God. At all of our locations, we believe that when you encounter God, your life is changed forever. We prioritize the presence of God here. We prioritize facilitating a move of God. We invest heavily into ensuring that there's a window open from heaven that shines down on us every single weekend so that when you walk into the room, you don't leave the same way. We want you to experience an encounter with God. There's nothing else that I want more than an encounter with God. Because in an encounter with God, miracles, signs, and wonders follow. Your marriage will get better when you encounter God. Your, your life gets better when you encounter God. When you encounter God, things start to change. When you encounter God, uh, things in your life start to be rearranged because God has a way of infiltrating your soul. And he has a way of saying, I, I don't like that about you because it's, it's keeping you from me, but I can rearrange it when you encounter God. So you're going to find biblical preaching. You're going to find safe, clean, and fun kids ministry. You're going to find worship that is anointed and towards God, not self-reflective, but instead Godward because we can encounter God. That's the first of five. The second thing is we want to see people find real relationships. Oh, I don't want hypocrites in this church. Worst thing that could ever happen to this house is it be full of people who are phony on Sunday mornings. I want the real you. And some of the ways to get to the real you is by having you interact with one another so that you can be held accountable and disciple through groups. It's hard to get to know somebody staring at the back of their head for 36 minutes, sometimes 46 minutes if I get the Holy Ghost. You got to get together in friendship and accountability. The reason this church exists is so that you encounter God and you find real relationships. I'm talking about when, when you're late to pick up your kids, you could call someone in your group. Hey, I'm not going to make it today. I got stuck in traffic. Can you swing by and pick up little Joey from the school? Yes, I can. I've found that people will stay longer connected to a church when they interact in a group. Don't email me and tell me you're leaving because you didn't feel connected. The first question I'm going to ask in my very pastoral reply is, which group did you attend? Not if you attended a group. I'm just going to go straight to the assume that you were in a group. Which group did you attend? Uh, uh. Because it's impossible to feel disconnected while you're in community, real community. Now, I'm not saying every group has accomplished the mission of being real community, but we're doing our very best to provide and facilitate an environment. As a matter of fact, people signing up for groups is never our problem. People leading groups is our biggest problem. And so we're gonna pray this year. I'm, I'm gonna get to that in a minute that you would maybe step into growth. All right, the third thing is we wanna see people leave a legacy through the next generation. Oh, this microphone's gonna get handed off like a baton. And I'm gonna look ahead to the glory that I'm gonna spend in heaven and I'm gonna hand backwards this microphone to the next generation. Or I'll reach ahead with this microphone and my children and your children and our children together will grab this microphone and continue to proclaim the gospel in Raleigh. That's why we need a safe, clean, and fun kids environment every single Sunday morning. I can honestly say with confidence, it's the safest place to bring your kids. It's also the most biblical place to bring your kids. It's also the most fun place to bring your kids. It doesn't take but five minutes to look at the investment that we've made at all of our locations. It's not just some basement like I grew up in with five goldfish crackers each and a little tiny Dixie cup. And some weirdo with a flannel graph telling me about Samson. Come on now. Some of y'all got 
PTSD right now. You're like, oh, pastor, you're reminding me of my upbringing. Ouch. I don't like it. Oh, here we leverage technology, video-based teaching. We actually send you a weekly email as a parent where you can have topics to talk it over with your children. This isn't just daycare. This isn't just childcare. Ministry is happening. People ask me all the time, why don't you have a Wednesday night service? I can't. Because on Wednesday nights, the students, 6th through 12th grade from all over the city, they gather in here and they have a full-blown service, full band, worship. They even wheel in a basketball goal. And occasionally I'll come in here and dunk on them (laughs) to show them that pastor still got it. I'm just kidding. I never go into the paint. I'm always a three-point shooter with my eyes closed. I did miss the free throw. And my son made the free throw. I didn't come ready to shoot. I didn't have my right shoes on. If you would have told me, I would have had my right shoes on. I didn't have time to stretch for this free throw. The next generation matters greatly. At both of our other locations on Sunday nights, at our south location and on Sunday nights soon at our west location, we'll have youth ministry all around the city. I see a church with youth ministry all around the city. And this next generation, they're not chumps, man. They're hungry for the presence of God. They're they're passionate. They fill the front row. Most of our early services full of, at the early service, full of, of young people just going after God. And then they go to serve in this service. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for a church that prioritizes the next generation. All right, next, we, we will see people change the world through outreach and generosity. I love that our church doesn't think that we are the solution to every problem in the world, but we partner with the people who do the work of finding the solutions for every problem in this world. So we don't have a food bank here because we probably ain't very good at it. But we partner with Raleigh Rescue Mission so that we can put fuel to their fire. We probably wouldn't be very good at hosting an addiction addiction recovery household, a house. But we partner with Teen Challenge who does it full time and they're fully devoted to that. I love that Teen Challenge has their full focus on helping people be set free from addiction so that we as a local church can have our full focus at encountering God leaving a legacy, finding a real relationship, and partnering with others for the sake of the gospel. I'm so glad that we don't have a disaster relief truck. But Convoy of Hope is on the ground before we could ever mobilize you. You don't get out of your house during a hurricane. So if I were to call you and say, we need chainsaws, you'd be like, ah, call somebody else. I'm like, we do. That's why we give money to Convoy of Hope. Because we have what we do, and they have what they do, and they work together. And then through our generosity, when you give, we're able to respond quickly. Our generosity is fuel to the fire. If you're not giving yet, I want to encourage you. Man, we we have some incredible ministry partners in-house and around the world that are just doing incredible work. All right. And the fifth thing is that we will see people discover their purpose through serving, through serving. And I, I want you to not just be gifted, but I want you to use your gift for the glory of God. It'd be a shame to me if you knew how to sing and you were just sitting on it. You're like, no, I'm not going to do that. I actually talked to somebody before the service. They said, I'm February. They put me on the schedule, February 4th, pastor. I'm going to be singing. I said, you bet you are. Cause you don't want me singing. I got my gift. You got your gift. We all have gifts. 
And if you're here today and you're spectating, I would encourage you to start participating because it's when you start participating where you actually find purpose and meaning in why you attend. It actually gives more meaning. When you see a hand raised at the salvation call, when you see someone being baptized in water, you actually start to say, I contributed to the, to the light in the dark world. I pushed back darkness by being on the safety team. I pushed back darkness by serving in the youth ministry. I pushed back darkness by serving in the cafe or serving in kids or counting the offering. You get to contribute to that. So those are the five things that we do. And the sixth thing that we do is turn the air conditioning down lower. Pastor Chris, if you could turn the air down, I'd be great. I'd be so grateful. It wasn't in my notes today, but when I see the church fans start coming out, you know what I'm saying? I know it's time. I know it's time. I know it's cold out there, but it's hot up here. These lights. Okay. So what's our strategy? Now that we know what we do, we know why we do it. How do we do it? What's our strategy? I'm really glad you asked. Our strategy is that we have asked God to give us a location within 15 minutes driving distance of everyone in Raleigh. 15 minutes. And you say, why 15 minutes? Because nobody talks about how far away a church is in miles. They talk about how far away a church is in minutes. And, and, and when you go to talk to someone that you know about the church, what's the, one of the first questions they ask? Besides if, if it's a cult. Oh. How far away is it? Right? It's one of the factors that allows someone to determine whether or not they're going to visit or not. So what do we have to do? This is no small task, by the way. We want you to be able to invite someone wherever, from wherever in Raleigh, and be able to pinpoint on a map that there's one within 15 minutes of them. Now, we're not there yet. We have three locations. And if you circle a 15-minute radius around those three, we're doing a decent job. But we got more work to do. So pray with me that God would send us real estate locations, that God would send us mergers and acquisitions, that God would send us partnerships of maybe churches who have lost sight of their vision, who could come under our vision to make this strategy possible. And it's not about world domination. I'm not here to put my name or my face on big billboards everywhere, but I know this, where the gospel is preached, lives are changed. And where people encounter God, their lives are changed forever. So what's our, what's our strategy? We've asked God to give us a location within 15 minutes driving distance of everyone in Raleigh. I know someone that's here today that drove from Pittsburgh. Whew, gas price is high. I'll be popping up my laptop. I'll be joining you online today. I want a campus within 15 minutes of Pittsburgh. And that's not even on the map. That's outside of that map. We got a lot of work to do, church. We got a lot of people to invite, a lot of people to save. So what's our style? Now that you know why we exist, you know what we do, you know our strategy, now our style. Come on. Three, threefold style. It's multi-site. We believe in, in leveraging a central ministries model that is almost similar to a franchise, an owner-operator model, meaning it's the same church but in multiple locations. So if I'm closer to one, I'm still gonna get the same presence of God, the same style, the same anointing, but the preaching is on video. In case you're wondering, at all of our locations, the preaching is on video. The worship music is live. There's bands at every location, but then after the music, we get synced up throughout the city. 
And this is because there's something that powerful that happens when we could be one church united in all locations. We are multi-generational, meaning if you look around, we're not an old church or a young church. This isn't just a church for the kids and it's not just a church for the saints. It's for both. It's multi-generational because our God is a multi-generational God. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. We serve the God of all generations. And then lastly, it's multi-ethnic. This is important that you realize this. We pray that there will not be a singular demographic when you walk into this house. At all of our locations, our prayer is that when you walk through the doors, you'd say, huh, not what I expected. Because if you're surprised here on earth, you're going to be severely surprised in heaven. Because every tribe, every tongue, and every nation will be represented in heaven. We're just getting warmed up for the party. So if you struggle with that, if you have a hard time with that, this church is not the church for you because we are multi-site which means we're, I'm going to be on the screen at some locations, maybe even at this one occasionally, if I begin to travel to the different locations. And the reason we're multi-site, people complain all the time, I want my preacher in person. It's interesting, people complain that they want their preacher in person, and then I watch them when I preach, and they're all looking over there. You want your preacher in person, but you look at the screen the whole time. I don't want my preacher on the screen. Don't, don't act like you don't watch the screen the whole time. Trust me. I know you watch the screen. I got to get this beard lined up every week because you watch the screen. I wish they would zoom it out, you know, get away, get away from my face. Multi-generational, every age, every stage, and then multi-ethnic. And then I want to celebrate just for a moment. And then I'm going to preach very briefly, but let's talk about where we've been as a church. Let's reach back for just a moment. In 2022, we baptized 82 people in law in water, which is huge. That's a good thing to give God praise for. But in 2023, we baptized 281 people in water. Now that's something to give God praise for. Come on, you can do better than that. Hallelujah. He's a good God. He's a good God. We're not here to be all about the numbers, but we know that every number has a name and every name has a story and every story matters to God. And that's 281 people that will no longer be destined for hell, but they will be destined for eternity in heaven. And we thank God for the harvest of souls. It's good news. If you're new here and you want to know if, God, if our church is growing or not, uh, by 200 more people year over year in the tank. Now, some people would count salvations, but it's, it's, it's not cheating, but it's easier to count the hands raised. You know, like I could give you that number and it would be a lot. And, and those are meaningful, but something significant happens when someone not just raises their hand, but they take steps into the tank. And 281 people were baptized in water in 2023. To God be the glory. In 2023, we grew by 61% as a church. 61% growth. Maybe you're not impressed. If your bank account grew by 61%, you'd be impressed. If your retirement fund grew by 61%, you'd be impressed. If your Bitcoin grew by 61%, you'd be impressed. 
If the S&P 500 could grow by 50, by 62%, you'd be, you'd be impressed. Whew, that's good stock. You're, you're part of a growing house. The Bible says in the book of Acts that he added to their number daily, those that were being saved. I ain't playing no games. I'm not apologizing for being aggressive. There are too many people moving to this city for us to be casual. There are too many people going and taking our children in the wrong direction for us to be casual. It's just not enough for us to just be satisfied. And let me tell you right now, I'm taken care of. I'm set. I'm good. I don't need to grow this church for personal gain. Do you understand me? I don't do it for myself. I do it for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the light in a dark world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. 61%. The reason we grew by 61% is in correlation to how much our vision team grew. Our vision team grew by 46% in 2023. 46% more volunteers. Would not be possible without them. And then we took 81 students to camp in 2023, which is a big deal. Largest church to the camp by a lot. And we're going to take over 100 this summer to God be the glory. We're going to see them transformed at camp. Yes, we are. Y'all better pray for the camp director because we're going to come and win every game. We're going to eat every morsel of food. We're going to make it so hard for the camp director. Yeah. I'm going to beat every other youth group at the tug of war. We don't play no games. Up and to the right in every area. I don't care if their life change at camp. I want us to win. In 2022, there were 701 U cards turned in, which is huge. But in 2023, there was 1,390 U cards turned in. It's huge. I'm as surprised as you are, by the way, to God be the glory. And lastly, for where we've been, in 2023, our church became debt-free to the glory of God after a 30-year mortgage completely paid off. $2 million of debt completely paid off. Come on, you, if, it, if, he, if it was your house, this is God's house paid off. If it was your house, you'd be excited. To God be the glory. It's a debt-free house. Praise God. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for giving. Some of you have never given. I want to let you know when you sow a seed, you're sowing into the future, not to the past. Praise God. Praise God. The tendency is to gravitate towards the highlights of our past instead of focus on the vision that God has for our future. I don't know if you've ever met like a high school athlete who's in their 40s. You ever met that person before? I'll bench that. Put two plates on there. Sir, you should warm up. And you should call AARP before you try this. You should probably stretch before you step onto this court, sir. It takes, it's harder now for me, and I'm only 36 to get on the basketball court than ever before. And our tendency is to think that we still have what we have in the past. But the great thing about God is his mercies are new every morning. 
so I don't have to look back at the good old days. I can look ahead at the days to come. And when I can see that his best days are not behind us, but in front of us, then I can get a clear picture of God's preferred future. So you know who we are. You know where we've been. Now let's ensure that we get nothing in our eyes. Anybody ever had something in their eye before? Ooh, it's the worst. Everything stops when you get something in your eye. You notice? You're like, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. Stop the wedding. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. There's something in my eye. I have a, my best friend is a medical physician. He's an emergency room doctor. And I asked him as I was studying for this sermon, I said, what's the worst thing that someone's ever come in to the hospital with in their eye? He's seen a lot. More than those people have seen because they had something in their eye. <laughs> and he listed all these diseases and, and all these different infections. And it's dangerous. He said one time a metal worker, a welder, just had like a scrap piece of metal in their eye. Whew. I don't want to have anything in, the, in our eyes as a church. I want to be able to see God's vision clearly for my life. My, my son... Again, I'm sorry for all the basketball references today, but when he shoots a three-pointer and I go to block him, he says, in your eye. That's what he says, in your eye. I said, shut up. I pay your mortgage in your eye. I fill the pantry in your eye. I pay for the internet that you play that game on in your eye. And the Bible talks about this, that if we're not careful, we'll have something in our eye, but then we'll look at other people and we'll try, start to judge them for what they have in their eye while we have work to do in our own self. And I, I've met a lot of even angry churches that get angry with other churches for their approach to ministry. I don't have time to judge other churches. I don't have time to judge you for your approach and your style. I have clarity on what God has called me to do, and I've got to put a location within 15 minutes of every person in Raleigh, so I don't have time to judge you on your approach or judge you on your tradition. I got stuff in my own eye. And this is what he says. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I don't know about you, but I don't want to ever lose sight of what God has called on my life. I don't want ever to let anything get in my eye. I want to see clearly. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We submit to it today. We surrender to it. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, I, I, have, I have an acronym for you because that's my job. If you don't know what acronym is, it's where the words spell another word. That's, people ask, what do you do all week? You only work 37 minutes a, a, day, a week. I'm like, I worked on this acronym. It's hard work. I want to help you how to avoid vision drift in your own life. How do I avoid like not repeating the same things I did last year, this year? How do I avoid, how can I, how can I get my, my resolve back? How can I get the things that I want back for next year? And how can I not get distracted by looking at what other people have or don't have and not be judgmental? So here's how to avoid vision drift. There are basically, there are five questions and they, they spell the word spec. Come on, that's cute, okay? You should put some extra in the offering for this because you'll remember this. 
the, the first question you need to ask is, is there a sin to confess or avoid? In my own life, instead of looking at the sins of others, I look at the sins of myself. Is there anything in my life that I need to confess? The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if, you're, if you wanna make this year better than last year, ask God, is there something that I need to confess? Is there a sin in my life? I'm not going to allow my sin to be the limiting factor on this church. I refuse for your spiritual growth to be capped by my unrighteousness. I'm gonna approach God with clean hands and a pure heart. Not that I'm perfect, but I'm going to live above reproach. The Bible calls me as a pastor to a higher standard. So I have to look into my own life before I call you out on your sin. I have to look into my own life and say, God, is there a sin that I have to confess? Is there a sin that I need forgiveness from? And you have, a, you have a, a, a broken individual in front of you. I am by far from perfect, but I want to remain submitted before the throne room of God. I want to remain pure and holy. I want to live a boring life with no scandal or adventure. With no, with no, I don't want to try to get close to the line of temptation. I want to flee from sin as far as I can. And I trust that out of the overflow of my life, you too will find a life that is pure, holy, righteous, and void of sin sin or blemish in Jesus name. So you have to ask yourself, is there a sin to confess or avoid? The next thing is this, is there a promise to claim? We forget God's promises so easily. It's for some reason, they come in one ear and out the other. But if you learn to claim promises every single day, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am more than a conqueror because I'm in Christ Jesus. I, I start to get resolve back. I start to get the energy back that God, that God called me to. I start to be able to, to endure some of the seasons that I go through in the valley. I can remember the promises of God. So I need to ask myself, is there a promise to claim? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I, I memorized in King Jimmy because that's what my parents raised me up in. Is there a promise to claim? My Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our Amen to God for his glory. When you say amen here at this church, what you are saying over your life is, let it be so. So be it. So God wants to bless you. Amen. Only a few of you. Okay. We serve a mighty God. Amen. Now we're talking. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. What you are learning is to say, so be it over my life. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he'll give you good gifts. He sent his son to die for you so that you can experience the grace of God. Amen. See, you don't say amen to flatter me. I can do this job without you. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for him. When you say amen, it's not for me. It's for yourself. So it says this in Isaiah 43 too, a good time to say amen. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Amen. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Yeah. And the flame shall not consume you. Yeah. 
That is what I want over your life. So when you say amen, it's not because it's cool or trendy or old school. It's, it's confirmation that the rhema word of God being declared over my life will make its way over my head and into my heart. And so I say amen. Your children will come back to God. Your marriage will thrive again. God will bless your house. God will bless your finances. Amen. Is there a promise to claim? Yes. The third question. Remember, I'm looking internally. I don't want no speck in my eye. Sin to confess, promise to claim. Is there an example to follow? Is there someone in scripture or someone around you that you're like, I could be like them. I, I, want, I want the wisdom they have. I want the walk with God that they have. Even, even Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. It is my prayer that our staff and my own life would be an example for you. Not perfect, but an example. My prayer is that your, small, your, your life group leader, your small group leader, your groups leader, they, their life would be an example for you to follow. Is there an example to follow? I look, I look to mentors who have been through what I've been through. This is the biggest church I've ever attended. In case you're wondering, the largest church I've ever been to. I've never, I've never worked at a church larger than this one from like five years ago. We surpassed the largest church I've ever worked to worked at. So I've got to find another example because I don't have an example in my previous employment. I have to call guys who are already a couple steps ahead and say, how did you do it? How did you reach so many lost people? And you need to find an example to follow in your life. All right, are you with me? Sin to confess, promise to claim, example to follow. Two more. Is there a command to obey? Is there something in your life that's disobedient? Like just audit the speck. Is there something in your life? You look around, maybe it's a plank, maybe it's a speck, maybe it's a piece of sheet metal. Is there a command that I, am I tithing? Am I, am I serving God fully or are there pockets of my life that are in disobedience? Because you're only as strong as your weakest link. Is there something in my life that I'm not doing that God's commanded me to do? And I, I say tithing because it's the top of the list, but there's so many other things. There are so many other things. Is your, are your thoughts pure and holy and righteous? Are your actions pure, holy, and righteous? Is there a command that God has given us? Are you loving people the way God commanded us to love people? Are you forgiving people the way God for, told us to forgive people, the way Christ forgave us? Are we treating church as though it's the bride of Christ with, with fragility and sensitivity? This says in 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments, look at this, are not burdensome. Aren't you grateful that obeying God doesn't have to be a chore? But when I get to obey God, it's a joy and not a chore. The last question is the K. Is there something to know about God? Once you get revelation about God every single day, all the other things don't matter. You start to realize that although it's an election year and things in this world might get a little divided, I know God and God is a God of unity. Although people might be you know, causing 
havoc around me, I know God and he's teaching me something today. Once you get to a relationship with God face to face like Moses had, once you get to become the friend of God, then he reveals new knowledge to you and you are no longer subject to what the world teaches. Now you know what the Bible calls the mysteries of God. I'm, I'm looking to raise a church that understands the mysteries of God. Don't let me be the only one that feeds you. I want you to know God and to make him known on your own. I'm looking to raise spiritual giants, adults in the spirit, that I don't have to walk you through what it means to feed yourself, but instead every single day you wake up and you say, I learned something about God I didn't know yesterday. Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. That means becoming victorious because he defeated death. You don't want to die like everybody else does. You want to die like Christ died, which is sacrificially for all. All right, John, come play, off, come play the keyboard, play me off this stage so I sound more spiritual than I really am. <clears throat> okay, you know who we are. I clarified that, all the new people. You know where we're headed, 15 minutes with everyone in Raleigh. You know how to avoid vision drift. Is there a sin to confess, a promise to claim, an example to follow, a command to obey? And is there something I need to know about God? You can use that for your Bible reading. Like use that for your prayer time. I just gave you a pattern for prayer. It's like, ask those five questions. Now, for 2024, here are three things I want to see in you. The, 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 the most powerful way to disciple someone is to look them in the eye and say, here's what I see in you. Here's what I see in you. I did a series a couple years back called What I See in You, these five words. You look at your child, you say, here's what I see in you. I don't see it right now, but I see it in the future. And they get called to the principal's office. That's not what I see in you. I see something different in you. When I look at this church, I, I, see, I, see, I see something different in you. You want to disciple somebody? What is discipleship? It's not always a class. Sometimes it comes by means of a class. But Jesus didn't teach a class. He looked at his disciples and said, here's what I see in you. <laughs> Go out and cast out demons. Go out and baptize people in water. Go out and reach the lost. Here's what I see in you. Three things. First of all, I want you to see your gift. You're gifted. You're anointed. You're chosen by God. Do not sit on your gift. Do not allow uh, your past church experience to keep you from stepping into what God wants to have you step into right now. I have met some of the most anointed, gifted people who for years felt jaded and rejected by previous churches. So instead of just reaching back, they looked back and they say, well, this church gonna treat me the same as my last church, so they're not gonna get my gift. You're not giving your gift to the, to the church. You're surrendering your gift to God. So you are withholding, not from us, from God. I wanna see you work in your gift. As a matter of fact, Romans 12, six or seven says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts. Praise God, I don't sing. Praise God, I'm not the executive pastor of finance like Pastor Chris is. Thank God I don't have to do all the things. I can do certain things well. Woo! I love that. Why do I need to serve? Because there's something in you that will allow this church to do certain things well. And until you do it, it won't be at its best. 
because God gifted you from before you were born with the ability and the gift to do certain things well. And the Bible says that his gifts and his calls are irrevocable, meaning he cannot remove them off your life. Now you can use them in the karaoke bar. You can use them on the streets. You can use them in the mar marketplace. You can use them in the, in the field of your, of your profession. But when you start to use those certain gifts in the house of the Lord, it increases your anointing and increases your gifting. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. So if God has given you the ability to sing, sing out with as much ability. If God has given you the ability to lead a group, then lead out. Don't wait for me to ask you personally. If I had to have a meeting with everyone in person to get you to serve, it would take me years. There's 2,700 people on the roster at our church. You want to have a meeting with 2,700 people? That's why preaching is so powerful because it has a way uh, of like a shotgun blast to penetrate the hearts of everyone who's listening and receiving. To me, I'm not very good at counseling. I'm actually pretty bad at it. I don't do certain things well. I'm like, oh yeah, 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 good. Just pray about it. Fix it. Stop. Just stop it. I'm really angry. Just stop being angry. Just stop. No, but when I, when, I, when, I do my, when I do my thing well, and you do your thing well, and we do our things well, what happens is a rising tide lifts all the boats. Oh, I, I, I pray for the, this year's Easter. We're going after 500 vision team members. That's our goal. 500 vision team members confirmed on Easter Sunday. You say, Pastor, that's a lot. It's the only way we reach 3,000 is to be able to serve them with 500. There's no other way to, to grow a church other than growing the base of people that wave at them, that take care of their kids, that keep them safe, that run the soundboard and the technology. I saw someone out there today, first service, Justin Rice, and I could tell someone was here for the first time by the way they turned down the street. Because some of y'all, you've been here too much. And you just plow through the cones, you hit a kid. <laughs> I'm like, they've been here before. They come down Destiny Drive 50 miles an hour. This person, they put their blinker on. I was like, oh, they put their blinker on. They must be new. <laughs> come on, don't lie. I do it too. And so I said, I was praying. I was in my truck behind them. I said, Lord, please let them turn their hazards on. We have a sign out here at our east location. I was like, please let them turn their hazards on because I know they're here for the first time because nobody puts their blinker on when they turn on to Destiny Drive. They must be new. You know, and sure enough, their hazards came on and I saw Justin lean into their car. He's waving outside. You know how cold it was outside today? He was outside greeting and the parking lot waving. And he put a smile on his face. Welcome to focus. And I don't know what their interaction was, but he pointed that car to a special spot for our first time guests. And I'm sure one of our experienced hosts walked out and welcomed them in. And if they had children, they walked them through and they were convinced that this was their church before I ever took the stage because of the people of God that make this happen. So we need to be better at hosting people who don't know church. I need your help, but I don't just need your help. God wants your gift. He gave it to you. 
So in the same way you return finances back to God through tithing, I return my gifts, talents, and abilities back to God through serving. See, I preach for free. I would. I would preach for free. What do we pay you for? You pay me to make decisions Monday through Friday to make sure this church has everything it needs in its vision. But I love preaching. Preaching to me comes natural. I do this for free. It's the leadership side that I'm like, oh, I got to wake up every day and really think through the future of the church. So whatever your gift is, give it to God. Go to igettoserve.com and you could sign up to serve. Okay, I want to see your growth. These have three Gs, by the way. Acronym and alliteration in one sermon. Woo! You preaching today, pastor. Spec and 3G? I thought we were on 5G. No, that's cancer-causing technology. We back here, old school, 3G. I want to see your gift. Number two, I want to see your growth. I want to see you grow in the Lord. I want to see you strong. I want to see you be able to withstand an election year and not be anxious. I want, I want to see you be able to stand boldly to your coworker who's out of line and say, I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to that ideology. I don't subscribe to that theology. That's not what my, I, I want you to stand boldly before principals and teachers that are trying to infiltrate your child's mind and be able to say, hey, let's leave that out of the classroom and instead let's teach them the basics of elementary teaching like you committed to, like my tax dollars pay you to. Even me, my kids' education is so important. I've asked God for boldness on how to approach some of the topics that they're sharing with my children and some of the friends that they have in their circles. Why? Because I want to grow. I don't want to wait for my pastor to back me up. I'm just going to grow. The Bible says this. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Oh, it's time to put away childish things, church. It's time to get into the house of God. It's time to get into the word of God. It's time to lead your family well. And it's time to grow up. I'm not just a motivational speaker to champion all your bad ideas. I'm here to stretch you. I'm here to make sure you hear the truth. And I'm here to make sure you grow up. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with the preacher that sees you for who God has called you to be and not where you currently are? Yeah, I want you to see your gift. I want you to see your growth. And then lastly, we want to see his glory. In 2024, nothing else matters. We want to see your glory, God. We just want to see you meet us in a tangible way. I want you to see his glory in your car, in traffic. I want you to see his glory in every relationship. I want you to see his glory in your children's lives. I want you to see, his, I want you to see him at work in every which way, God, show us your glory. You know, before, only the priest or Moses as the leader could get into the glory of God. But now we have access to the glory of God. And it was actually a prayer for you to see God's glory from Jesus. He says this in John 17, 24. It says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. If there's anything we need, it's not another church. If there's anything we need, it's not another building. If there's anything we need, it's not another sermon and it's not another song. What we need is the glory. 
what we need is the glory. I preached in Louisiana this week for a revival service and there was a guy on the front row and he only said one thing both nights of revival the whole time. Do you know what he said? Glory! Glory! I just introduced myself, sir. Glory! Sir, where's the restrooms in the church? Glory! He's not wrong, though. He's not wrong. I don't need anything else but the glory of God. I don't want my life to reflect anything else but the glory of God. I don't want my personal ideology that's incorrect. I don't want my opinion to reflect. I want the glory of God. I want my children saturated and surrounded by the glory of God. So let me pray a prayer over you today with every head bowed and every eye closed. May the glory of God, may the glory of God surround your house. May the glory of God surround your marriage. May the glory of God surround your children. May the glory of God surround your future. Father, we don't look backwards. We reach backwards, but we look ahead to the glory days. We look ahead to the glory days, not back to the glory days. And we say, you will see us accomplish this mission. You will see us accomplish this strategy because what you have been faithful to start, you will also finish. Maybe you came in here today and you've never experienced the glory of God through salvation. You say, I'm not saved. I'm far from God. I want to experience the grace of God through his son, Jesus, at all of our locations as our experienced hosts prepare. You say, I want to receive the glory of God through his son, Jesus, and the gift of salvation. You're not saved. You would know it. You knew it when you walked in here today. You're like, man, these people have something that I don't have. What they have is salvation, which is a gift that comes through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. If you came in here today and you're like, man, I really like this church, but what I really need is the glory of God. The only way to experience the glory of God is to first experience the grace of God through Jesus. If you do not know Jesus today and you want to, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. And this one thing is just a response for your need for the grace of God. You say, I need the grace of God. I need to be saved so that I can experience the glory of God over my life this year. You don't know Jesus today. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to shoot up your hand. When I say three, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to be bold and to shoot up your hand. You say, I need the grace of God which comes through the gift of salvation, through Jesus Christ alone. You say, I'm ready. I'm going to confess my sin. He's going to be faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. If that's you, you're far from God. Get ready. One, don't let the devil lie to you. This is your moment. This is your time. Two, don't let the enemy try to distract you. Don't leave anything on the table today. This is your moment right now. You say, I need Jesus. I need his grace. I need his mercy. And I need the gift of salvation. One, two, Three, shoot your hand up in the air right now at all, all of our locations. Shoot your hand up right now. Shoot your hand up right now. Here in the middle right here. Anybody else, just shoot it up. Don't be scared. Don't be embarrassed. Anybody else, don't let this time pass. We're just going to bring you a simple card. We're not going to embarrass you or call you out. I just want to be able to put something in your hand. Shoot your hand up in the air so that we can see it at all of our locations. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. For the sake of those who just raised their hand, as a, as a moment to memorialize this time right here. I want all of us to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father God, I give my life to you. I surrender and I repent. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for those that just made that decision. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. This ministry is made possible because of the generosity of so many people like you. To partner with us, you can click the link in our description or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe now or share it with a friend. For more inspirational content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash Focus Church. Join us next week for another incredible message.